get you out of here before 10. So it's good to see everybody. Good to see Pat's got friends this service. <clears throat> she didn't have any friends last service. She is sitting right where she is now, and everybody in and around her, nobody. It's like she was just that, like that, just that tree in the yard all by herself, you know. But <clears throat> we're talking about words, and uh, I, we talked about a couple of things the other night, and the one of them is this. Jonathan, you want to get those scriptures ready for me? We talked about how many spirits of God there are, right? People, some people said one. True. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Correct? Then there's also there's seven spirits of God. Okay? Okay, well, how can that be? Well, God is so awesome that these other things come out of him. Okay, our, fi our finite mind cannot comprehend how God really is. So you're just going to have to trust him. Listen, if he can make, if he can make the, the Himalayas, the Rocky Mountains, the Pacific Ocean, if he can make Niagara Falls, if he can make Hawaii, if he can make all of this, he can help you pay your bills. So can I drink tonight? I mean, right? Y'all are going to make me sound a little better. All right. Doesn't that sound better? <clears throat> Frankie saw me on TV Sunday, and he said, TV does not do you justice, Pastor. I said, I know. So if you do see me on television, I am not that heavy. All right. Just telling you. Okay, we got Revelation chapter number 3, verse number 1. I'm just showing you this. Because this came up last week. And the angel, to the angel of the church of Sardis write, These things said he that has the seven spirits of God. Now notice that word spirits is capitalized, which is meaning and representing the spirit of the Lord. And the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you live and are dead. All right, the next one then, Revelation 4, 5. And out of the throne proceeded lightning and thunder and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Okay. <clears throat> One more, Revelation chapter number 5, verse 6. And I beheld and see in the middle of the throne and the four beasts and in the middle of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. So we got on this last week because there is such a thing called a spirit of revelation, right? And I'm trying to help you that if you can, if you learn how to get the word in your life, you're going to be successful. You can win battles, okay? You can win battles. Uh, let me address something here that we had uh, the gifts of the spirit tonight the gift of tongues, but there was no interpretation. Does that mean we were all in, a, in sin? No. That means there was no interpretation. Okay? I, I usually have them, but I couldn't get one tonight. And I'm not going to make one up. Amen? Why? I mean, it's no big deal. It, looked, it happened in the book of 1 Corinthians. Read the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 12 and chapter 14. 
Paul said that if someone gives a message in tongues and there is no interpretation, and someone gives another message in tongues and there is no interpretation, and he said if someone gives another message in tongues and there is no interpretation, he says stop. Just go on with what you're doing, service. Forget it. So we're not backslid. Doesn't that feel better? It feels so much better, doesn't it? Okay. And then, so we're talking about this spirit of revelation that comes. And let's go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Because I want to do Joshua 1, 8. Then I want to go to Psalm 1. Joshua 1, 8. This is what the Lord told Joshua. The, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. There's a key word there that says then. Then what? You'll be prosperous and have good success. When? After you meditate on the word, and you observe to do according to all that is written therein. So tonight we want to talk about meditation. We don't want to talk about transcendental meditation. That's the dark side. We don't, we don't deal with the dark side. We just kick it around and throw it out. Okay? We want to talk about meditating on the word. Let's go to Psalms. Psalms 1. <clears throat> but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Verse, first verse says, blessed is the man. Go ahead, Jonathan. Throw the first verse up there. I know it's not hard to do. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate. Everybody say meditate. Day and night. Day and night. Everybody say do. Say it twice. Okay. Caught somebody. Somebody caught me. All right. I just want to see if you were listening. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. So the Lord wants you to prosper. The Lord wants you to grow. The Lord wants you, he, he likens our walk with him like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf's not going to wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. But this all comes from meditation on the word. All right, now let's go back to our slides. <clears throat> so words can ordain your future. Proverbs 18, 21, we talked about this last week. It's true, you will get what you say. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. All right, highlight that in your Bible. Underline it. Put a piece of gum there. You know, put your pages together. Fold it. Do whatever you have to do. Proverbs 18, 21, life and death are in the power of the tongue of the tongue. Your words will put you over in life or they'll sink you. Okay? Your life, you're living now is the result of the words you spoke in the past. And if you don't like what you're living now, then start speaking different words. And I use Ginger for example. In fact, Ginger tonight is in St. Louis going on a sleep study. All right? She's going on a sleep study. <clears throat> because we're trying to figure out why she's so exhausted. and But I used her for an example last week, and she doesn't mind. Uh, but when she moved here almost a year ago, she took the job, and she said, now, I'm going to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'll be off Thursday, and then Friday and Saturday I'll work. She said, because 
my doctor's appointments, doctors are not open usually on Saturdays. So I can go to the doctor on Thursday. So we were talking about a month ago, and I said, Ginger, what do you do every Thursday? She said, I go to the doctor's appointments. And I said, what did you say a year ago that you were saving Thursdays for? She went, doctor's appointments. What are we speaking? What are you speaking out of your mouth? Okay? Pretty simple stuff, isn't it? The best thing is this stuff is free. You can talk, and it's free. You can say things, and it's not going to cost you. you. A lot of people say, okay, well, I would live in that neighborhood, but I can't afford that kind of money. Right? 16 years ago, we moved into our house, and I was somewhere, I'm not going to say where, somewhere in, in the world, in Vandalia, and somebody said, so you moved over to so-and-so. I said, and they named a subdivision. I didn't even know this subdivision had a name. I didn't even know it was a subdivision. It's just a bunch of houses out there on 185. And that person looked at me and said, how did you get there? I'm thinking, well, how did you get there? And in my nice East Coast response, I simply said, did you ever hear of God? It's a God thing. So, we get what we say. I can't drive this car because I can't afford that. My, my kids are all driving, you know, they're all driving. They all, like, went, want new cars. You know, Marcus has a problem with his car every day. Every day. This, the tire's making a noise. There's a thumping in there. Oh, this, uh, and I'm like, please, please, go buy a new car. So the other night, one of them is looking, and I'm watching television here, and they see the Volkswagen sign and drive. And they're like, I think I could afford $179 a, mo a month. I said, but did you see? You have to have $3,600 at signing. Oh, okay. I said, a lot of people can afford with $179 a month. It's at $3,600 when you sign up front that you gotta, you got to have. So words can keep us... Uh, out of certain places. We should learn to speak God's word and all of them that are found in the Bible. That way we start living what the Bible says. Okay? So all of us have said stupid stuff. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because half of you will lie and not raise your hand. All right? We've tried it before in this church, and even mothers who are mothers don't even raise their hand when we ask them. I'd like for all the mothers to raise your hand. Three, three. Raise their hand. We have three mothers. But we have a lot of kids with just three mothers. But anyway, so we learn how to speak the word, and it's going to take time. It's going to take time to do this. Christians complain, I have spoken the word of God over my life, yet his word has not come to pass. I, they, I say that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus, and God supplies all my needs, yet these positive things haven't happened. And he said, now, I'm still sick, and I'm still broke. Some people fall, uh, fail to receive what they confess, many assume that the confession of God's word doesn't work, but it does, okay? It does. Why then do we sometimes fail to receive the benefits of the spoken word? The answer came unexpectedly because here's the way it goes. Revelation, meditation, and proclamation. 
all right? We're going to dig into these. This is Tom's story, Brother Tom. I was at a local <coughs> restaurant, I'm sorry about my voice, I wish it was smoother, drinking his delicious coffee and enjoying my Bible. I was reading through the Psalms when chapter 39 struck me. The wonderful smell of the coffee vanished. People at the restaurant seemed to fade. All I could see and hear was Psalm 39, verse 3. Okay, it says, My heart grew hot within me, and as I meditated, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. When I read those profound yet simple words, God spoke to me. He spoke three words, revelation, meditation, proclamation. Tom says, I saw it. It was though a beam of light entered my heart. I understood what God was trying to say to me. He was saying that first comes revelation, then comes meditation. And when you've experienced revelation and practiced meditation, then you're ready to make your proclamation. I, I have had the privilege in my younger ministry to assist in a couple progressive, very progressive churches. The one, the one church on the East Coast, the pastor there was an international speaker. He spoke all over the world. Okay, he spoke all over the world, and he had a shofar. You know what a shofar is? You know the ram's horn? All right, and he would always either A, forget to take the ram's horn, okay, or when he got to wherever he was, he would call back and say, I really feel like I need the ram, the shofar. I have sent personally that shofar all over the world, all right? In fact, at a staff meeting, I said, we could save $20,000 a year if we didn't have to overnight it. I have sent the shofar to Guyana, South America. I have sent the shofar to South Africa. I have sent the shofar to San Diego, California. I've sent the shofar everywhere. But this guy would preach. And let me ask you if you've ever thought this before. If you hear somebody preach out of a, a, a scripture and you say to yourself, how did he get all of that out of that one scripture? You ever ask yourself that question? Where, where did he get all that? Now, I heard another preacher was preaching about uh, <clears throat> in Isaiah when the, the beast was flying through the, the air of the tabernacle, the temple, and the beast had six wings. Two covered their eyes. Two covered their feet, and two helped them fly. And this is what he said. Don't ask me what any of that means because I don't know. So, okay, there you go. Sometimes you get that. So you, I, I, I watched my old boss preach all this, and I'd say, now, Lord, please give me, please help me to, to preach. Please help me to see in the Scripture somehow how he sees things. Open up my understanding. And so I want to share with you kind of how that happened to me. And uh, I'm going to call it heartburn, okay? <clears throat> David said, then I spoke. This means next in order of time. Before he spoke with his mouth or tongue, David went through two phases. He said, my heart grew hot within me. And second, as I meditated, the fire burned. These two stages, the heart grew hot, and then he meditated. What did David mean when he said the heart grew hot? Was he talking about heartburn and roll age? Don't take Zantac. Zantac, right? Larry the cable guy is out of business because they found, I don't know, what they find there? Tongue drywall. 
something that may cause cancer. All right, so that's not the heart bone we're talking about. The heart is the spirit of the man. The spirit of the man is the real you in God's image. It is the place of real spiritual power. The heart is where you believe. By believing with the heart, you are saved. David used the word heart to speak of the spirit, and he used the word fire to describe the spiritual experience. He was saying that spiritual insight came to him. The New Testament word would call it revelation. Do you remember when you got the Holy Ghost? Remember how on fire you felt? You remember how it's like, I have never felt like this ever. I've heard people say, you know, I've done cocaine for 25 years and I have never felt anything like this. Because the fire of God is inside. So this revelation is a supernatural insight into the mind of God. We mentioned this last week. That when you come to church or before you come to church and you read the Bible, it doesn't make any sense. And as soon as you receive the Holy Ghost, you start reading it and it makes sense. Or we'll take a vote. You know, Anybody ever experienced that? Why? Why, why is that happening? Because you are now reading with the eyes of the one who wrote it. His spirit is in us now. And so you're writing what he wrote. And you want to know how he's feeling, what he wrote? Are you guys freezing? Are you good? How are those? Perfect. Warm. Freezing. Great. All right. You got a long drive there? What's what's the cuff deal? What's the, what's the cuff deal? Is that a new is that a new style on bass? I saw that cuff, and I'm like, what is this supposed to be a cuff deal for? I have to ask Randy. Huh? Is it supposed to? A signature. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. So, Revelation. So, he goes on. Now, David was saying, I have received supernatural insight into the mind of God, and now I know what God is thinking at this moment. I know what is on his mind. I know his perfect will. So you see what I'm saying here? So when you read the scripture and it begins to unfold to you, you're looking at it and saying, wow, this is, this is really interesting here. I know what God's saying now. So before your confession of God's word can work for you, you must receive revelation. Paul said this in Ephesians 1.17. I kept asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Okay. And there we go. There we go. He goes on to pray in Ephesians 18 and 19, 1, 18 and 19. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So he prayed that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened. Enlightened comes from two words. In, which means in, I-N, and light, which means fire. To be enlightened is to have fire within you. The heart is enlightened by fire, and the fire is the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not put out the Spirit's fire, or don't quench the Holy Spirit. In the King James, right? So you get this, you get this uh, text here. Paul prayed 
that the Holy Spirit would open their spiritual understanding so that they could know three things. First of all, the hope of their calling. Second, the inheritance within them. And third, the power that is available to them. First of all, the gospel gives us hope. You know what makes life good? Knowing that uh, things are going to get better. What makes you keep going to work? Knowing that you get vacation and you can go somewhere. Right? You know it's like we live toward our breaks and our vacations and we kind of exist in between. We're coming up on the holiday season. Wow. Already. Frank's excited. All those Christmas shoppers at Walmart. It's going to be great. We won't see Frank for weeks and months. So we have a hope. Second, there's an inheritance. And third, there's power that's available. So <clears throat> as we continue on here, this is the most important prayer to pray because the greatest need in the body of Christ is revelation. Once the church received revelation, nothing can stop it. All right? Nothing can stop a church that is having a moment of revelation. So we're going to talk about the road to Emmaus. Let me, let me talk to you for a minute. This is scripture. I'm going to tell you this is how I, I, what I started to do when I prayed. I said, God, help me to see how that pastor sees these scriptures. How does he come off with and how does he come up with all of this stuff all in one scripture? How does he do it? So, <clears throat> 23rd Psalm. Everybody knows it. It's what they're going to read when they're wheeling you out. Yeah, welcome to Valor and Shadow of Death. I was born and raised at Valorant with him. I rock on staff for Trump and me. Right? Welcome. Where's Hobbs been? prepare us a table before him in the presence of our enemies. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I know I made it. But I can't remember where it was. Oh, no, it's my head, my cup overflows, overrunneth. Okay, so a lot of times we say, Now, to me, if you're going through a valley, that would say I'm going through a low place. I'm going through a place that um, is not comfortable. We want to be on the mountain, right? Remember this old song, Randall? I've been on the mountain with Jesus. Remember that one? Can't remember anymore of it. Something about leaving me, don't ever leave me alone, something, I don't know. Anyhow, so <clears throat> I got to thinking. Now, this is where you take the scripture and you've got to break it down. You've got to meditate. We just can't read. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Blah, 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 blah. First of all, when I was a kid, it said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I'm thinking, well, why wouldn't you want him? I didn't understand King James. I wouldn't want him. Why wouldn't you want him? The Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. I want him. Then finally I got a revelation. 
Anyhow, so if we just read it and keep on going, we can never apply it because we don't know what he's saying. What is he saying here? There are different kinds of people who read, right? Ginger, okay, okay, I give her a hard time. Matilda, 130-year-old woman, all right? She's fairly smart, but you don't, don't trust her to take you anywhere. Way off, right? I mean, you can be in Vandalia, and I, you can see the State House. You can see Walmart. You can see Family Worship Center all before you get to your house. And you may be at the Key Value store at the drive-in. So we'll just leave you. Now, she said, I said, I'm on. She said, don't, don't try to help me. Don't, I, I can do this on my own. Well, you know you got problems when you pull up to an intersection and you say, go right. And she goes, halfway through her turn, I say, next time, Mabel, try your other right. Ginger can read like, I don't know, is it 1,100 words a minute or something like that? She can read it. I mean, she can just fly through it. And she comprehends. Me, I read every word I get. Where are you skim readers? You know, Amy's a skim reader. My wife, Amy, she's a skim reader. She can go through a whole book. And she'll look at me, and I'm on page 47. I've been on page, I just got there. It's taken me a week to get to 47. She said, are you still in that book? I said, yeah, I'm reading it. She said, do you read every word? I said, yes, they wrote every word. There's a reason they wrote it. Right, Chris? They wrote it for me to read it. So I'm reading it. Yeah, anyhow. So if we just read through it and never think about it, never meditate on it, never break it down, let's break down the valley tonight. Let's break down the mountain tonight, okay? Everybody in our walk with the Lord wants to be on the mountaintop, right? What is on the mountaintop? Snow. Now watch. Windy. No protection. Harsh elements. Lack of of air, lack of nourishment, lack of water. What's in the valley? What's in the valley? It rains and washes all the minerals from the mountaintop down into the valley. In the valley, there's vegetation. In the valley, there's protection. In the valley, there's food and shelter. So, I'm preaching uh, a year and a half, two years ago out in Baltimore. And I just started talking about the valley. And the church out there started going crazy. They're like, because go through the valley, everything from the mountaintop, the Lord has washed down to the valley. Up there, you're exposed to the elements. In the valley, you have shelter. Up there, you cannot eat. What's he say? 
Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You can't set a table on top of Mount Everest Peak. You got to get down in the valley. All the rivers aren't on the top of the mountain. They're on the in the valley. You see what I'm saying? So you got to take that scripture and break it down. Was he talking about the valley here? Once you do that, then you can begin to see what's going on here. So I would much rather dwell in the valley than I would in the mountain. But I've always heard I want to be on the mountain. I've always heard it's better on the mountain. I kind of like it in the valley. Trees stop growing at a certain line because of lack of oxygen. Lack of oxygen means there's no life. There's nothing to give life there. It's not like that in the valley. So when I'm in the valley, I see how the Lord has provided for me. Yes, I go from mountaintop to mountaintop experience, but I don't want to live in the in the mountaintop. I, it's just an experience. But that experience will set my my direction toward the next valley. And it's in the valley that I flourish. And it's in the valley that I grow. And it's in the valley that I get my sustenance and my nutrients. You see how you can break it down? So when you begin to break the word down, then you can begin to apply it. And so here I am in Baltimore. I'm preaching this all about the valley. And these people are coming up after me and saying, oh, we never heard him preach like that. We thought the valley was a bad place. Not really. The valley is a pretty good place here, you know. In the valley, you can get protection from the enemy because you can hide. You can't do that up there on the steep slopes and crevices and cliffs of the mountaintops. See how it works? And so as you begin to break down the word, and then you can begin to apply it. And then you can begin to understand. Part of that uh, says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Correct? Is that what it says? Now, this is where you have to take, this is where you have to take your meditation to a little bit different level. So the meditation example that I just gave you is basically what any of us can do. Think about think about everyday life. What is the what is the Lord uh, the kingdom of heaven? What did he use? He used uh, parables. You know what parables are? What are parables? Parables are stories in the natural to explain principles of the spiritual. Okay? For instance, the Lord says that there are four types of ground. There's stony ground. There's thorny ground. There's wayside ground. And there's good ground. And he says that the sower comes and he sows seed. Right? Now 
GPS and blackboard and computers. My friend from Boston, when he, he moved out here, he lived out here for four or five years, and he used to tell me that back in Boston, when he was in elementary school, the teachers would tell the kids, you need to be thankful for the farmers. The farmers are poor, but they sacrifice to grow our food for us. And he said, I'd come out here. I mean, <laughs> these farmers got planters as long as a building. They've got combines. They've got, I said, you own a combine. At that time, I had about $100,000 for one combine, not counting the bean head, the corn head, and all the other stuff. And so he said, I don't think the farmers are really poor. I said, no, they're not. They're not really poor. Okay, so he said, if the farmers aren't poor, he said, my mom always told me that when the cows were laying down, it was going to rain down. I said, well, I don't really get it. He said, you have to understand, when the cows lay down because they're doesn't always rain when the cows lay down. He said, really? So every now and then, he'll check the weather out here, and he'll text me and say, if there's thunderstorms coming through, he said, you better go outside and tell them that the cows are laying down. Well, anyway, so the, f the, the, the sower sows the seed, and that seed falls on one of those four types of ground. Thorny, stony, wayside, good. What does that tell me? So then he then he says, okay, so on the on the thorny, is it stony or thorny? Is that right? Those are right. On the, so you've got the wayside. The wayside is hard ground. The seed cannot get into the ground. Okay. The fowls of the air come and take the seed. On the stony ground. It cannot go into the ground because it can't get around the stones. On the thorny ground, the thorns suck all the nutrients out. Therefore, the seed, the plants starve to death. So the good ground is where it is. So the parable of the sower and the seed is a natural story so the people could understand a good principle in the spirit and say this. So that is the same type of seed or soil that men talk of. They get tangled up with the cares of life. They, they're offended and they're hurt and they can't let the seed go into the ground that's going to reap the harvest. And so they go on and on. So you've got to look and say, okay, so what was he talking about there? Here's the next level. So that's elementary. That's basic. We can all do that. We can all analyze it and meditate on the scripture there. How about this one? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's when we go a little deeper. So we read that and say, okay, goodness and mercy follow me. Goodness and mercy follow me. So that's just trying to collect on the road, you know. Going down Union Carbide, right? And goodness and mercy will follow him behind. Now that's nice, right? But what happens if you... Look in a couple different versions of the Bible, or 
<clears throat> they used to have these big things called concordance. Remember those? Okay. So I have all my books from Bible college all boxed up from there. Now listen to this. This is, a, this is like a 35-year-old landmark to me. And I had my concordance. That's before everything was on computer. And I was in, in Houston, and there was this huge mosquito that was flying around my desk lamp. And I took a swing at him, Frank, and I smashed him right against the side of my concordance. Well, he had just had dinner from somewhere. So if I got my concordance out right now, you would see a huge blood spot from 35 years ago from that rot-gut mosquito in down in Houston, Texas. But anyway, so you have this concordance. So if you look up the word follow, if you go in and, and you have a study Bible, you have some study books, then you will see that that word follow is totally different when you go back to the original meaning. What it means is, this is the word that it means. It means to pursue, to chase after. Now you think about this. So you're running through life, and you're trying to exist. How many remember you had that problem? I know all of you, your lives are together, and everything is perfect in your world. But I have trouble at times. Okay? And so I'm running through life. There was a guy one time put deadlines and commitments going against the wind. Young, strong, still running against the wind. So much life going in there and going, it's all right. Thank you, Pastor. Little Bob Cougar. Anyway, you're running against the wind. You're running against life. And if you've just read, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, that's pretty good, I guess. But when you read it and you realize that surely goodness and mercy shall pursue after me. So I'm running through life, and behind me, I have goodness trying to catch me and overtake me and sack me and tackle me. I have mercy, the mercy of God, surely goodness and mercy, shall follow me, shall pursue me all the days of my life. Now, what does that do for you? That helps. That's good stuff, isn't it? Because that tells me that no matter how hard my day is, those two things are chasing after me. No matter how much I may have fallen and failed God, I still have goodness and mercy pursuing me. No matter how many times I've tripped, I have goodness and mercy. Follow me. Watch this. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. Not just any time of the day. At the beginning of the day. Before I'm up, I have new mercy waiting for me. But you see, you don't get this if you don't take time to meditate on it. So I'm trying to explain to you. You understand what I'm saying, right? I'm teaching. I'm trying to talk to you. So if you take the time. Now, you say, Pastor, I don't have, I don't have a, a concordance. 
thought when we bought this church, man, I'm going to have a whole closet right here. I'm going to have a whole place with all my books. Let's just be honest there. But Tracy, Ron doesn't want to pack those books up. I don't want to pack those books up. You can have them. Do you want those books? Sure. So I got a whole library that remains. But there's a couple books that you can get. One of them is called Vines Dictionary. If you're not if you're not computer literate, get the book that's called Vines Dictionary, and you can read a scripture, and it's going to give you the, where the words at, and it's going to tell you the original meaning, and you can meditate on that original meaning. So what did he say? What did he say there? There's a country way there. I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. We didn't go there to kill. We didn't go there to build a house. We're walking through. Okay? Goodness and mercy are pursuing after me. I don't know. There were times when I feel like I've let God down. That's when I got to get my emotions out of my body. Come on. Don't stop. I'm going to tell you right now. You're 12 years old. Are you learning? Many people pray for revelation but don't receive it because they have too many burdens on their hearts. There is a fascinating story in the Bible. Listen, listen. The number one thing the devil is going to get all of us with, you know, some of us have come out of heroin, some of us come out of cocaine, alcoholism, all of that business. The number one thing the devil will get all of us with is we're too busy. band that sang too much time on my hands sticks there ain't no way there ain't never has anybody had too much time on your hands i watch people who have nothing to do in life and i look at them and i say <laughs> what are you gonna do i don't have anything to do i don't need time to do but listen we're busy Telephones that show pictures of us talking to each other. Right? You, I can type out on my phone a message and I can send it to Wayne. Okay, Wayne, men's conference. Okay? All right. Kevin, Randall, Kevin is going to be my roommate. he can take his hearing aids off. And then I won't get persecuted the whole next year. I can send a text to Randall. I can send a text to Brandon. I can't send a text to Bernie. I've got to send Bernie a voicemail, right? I can send a text to Art. Art gets it the next day sometimes. One, one Wednesday, I texted everybody. This has been a year or so ago. And I said, hey, big surprise at church tonight. Make sure... Big big surprise tonight. Don't miss it. So we had the big surprise. 
it was Thursday morning, and I had to go to St. Louis on a hospital call. And I'm, I'm down there by Greenville or Pocahontas, and Brother Art calls me. Hey, Pastor, what's the surprise tonight? Oh, Brother Art, did you just get that text? Yeah, I just got it. What is it? I said, it was last night. We have all of this stuff, all of this technology. And now we're busier than we've ever been before. Why? Because the Bible says that if it were possible in the last days, even the very elect would be deceived. Right? In this last day, we have fax, we have email, we have FaceTime, we have video chat. We do, we do meetings all around the world, and we sit at a home where on a computer uh, camera, and we, we all come in for the, for the meeting or through video chat, all kinds of stuff, and we're still busier than ever before. You have to take time. You have to take time. Listen, if you don't get it done today, it will be there tomorrow. The sin is tomorrow. Tomorrow. Right? So, the story in the Bible illustrates to cast our cares on the Lord in order to receive revelation. The story involves the resurrected Christ and two disciples that were traveling on the road to Emmaus. All right. Luke 24, 13 is where it's found. The same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And they talked and discussed these things with each other. Jesus, as they talked, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, and they were kept from recognizing him. My question is simple. Why were they kept from recognizing Jesus? Verse 24 says, they stood still, their face, faces downcast. What's the problem here? They were depressed. I heard on the radio, on the news, what? A week ago. Watch, guys. We have, we have, our cell phones aren't cell phones. They're computers. All right? They're computers. You can get on your phone and talk to anybody around the world, right? You can check, you can check the weather in Moscow. You can check the weather in Ukraine and see if Trump's getting dirt in Ukraine that day or Biden, right? You can check your stocks. You can check, you can, here's the thing. We're so into our phones that we don't know our next-door neighbor. Whereas it used to be, we knew our next-door neighbors. And on the news the other day, we have more children, children on antidepressants than at any time in the history of our nation. Now, we have Nintendo, Xbox, is that right? PlayStation, Cube, what else? 
any other gaming systems I'm not thinking about? The, the main gaming systems. At Atari's still around? Pong? Ping, pong, pong, you know. We used to play that on the black and white television. Of course, it was black and white anyway, so it didn't matter. Listen, when Space Invaders came out, uh, we died and went to heaven. Space Invaders. I got a handheld Space Invaders game in Christmas of 1979. It was just wonderful. It was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Anyhow, we have all these gaming systems. Our kids are walking around with, with all these cell phones, right? I also have uh, websites or apps that the police have sent out that says if your kid is under 18, you need to check your kids' phones and make sure that they're not on them. All right, I'll be, I'll be posting that here shortly. Not tonight, but shortly. Uh, but we have all this technology. We can talk to anybody around the world. And we're depressed. Our heads are down. We're sad. We're committing suicide. What's going on? The enemy is overloading this generation. There were distractions. There was, they had a lot on their mind. Things were weighing them down. So Jesus, instead of telling them that he was Jesus, asked them many questions in order for them to get their burdens off of their chest. He was trying to get them some relief. Okay? Doesn't it feel good to talk to someone about your burdens, especially when it's the Lord? Or when you do, you feel 100 pounds lighter. You see, a bad time to study the Bible is when you're depressed. Don't study the Bible when you're depressed. You will not get anything from your study. Revelation will not come when you're depressed. That's why it's important to cast your cares on the Lord before you study the Bible. Because, listen, the Bible is our lifeline. It's our, it's our, what's that one we have, three things we got to do? We got a lifeline, call a friend. What was the last one? Come on, who wants to be a millionaire? Is there a 50-50? Okay. All I know is uh, Megan watches, was sitting in there with, in Maryland with my dad watching who wants to be a millionaire, and dad was yelling at the people that didn't know the answers. Then he started calling them bad names. I, I picked Megan up. She's 15. And she said, Dad, those two weeks with Pap and Glenn, she said, I heard Granddaddy say some words I never heard him say before. I said, what? She said, yeah, we went to get a pizza one night, and I was driving, and, and this person kind of cut me off, and he called them, and I said, uh, we don't use those names. I'm just telling you, we don't use those names. So on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Dad was, he knew the answer, they didn't, and he was calling them dumb people and everything else and yelling at them. Guess what? Prepare to study your Bible so that you are free from all the burdens to receive the revelation of what God wants. But the Word is God's plan. The Word is what's God, what God is thinking about you, what he's got planned for you. Amen? So the devil wants to load you up with all kinds of stuff. You know, right now, uh, and I'm getting really close, uh, Mitchell and Caitlin, their situation, you know, 
that we don't know if the boys are going to be able to move all the way up here. So we could have Mitchell and Caitlin married, one living in Illinois and one living in Louisiana. Well, now there you go. Some of us would say, well, it's my God. Don't fight very often. We're just happy to see him. What, what, what's going on here? And, and then and what are we going to work and, and what are we going to do? Guess what? You get all of that stuff in your mind. And what it comes down to is this. You've got to take one day at a time. You have to take one thing at a time. If you try to think about everything that's going on in your life, you're going to get overwhelmed. And then you get overwhelmed. People get overwhelmed. And then they get nervous and they get anxious. Now watch. And then what do they have to have? Then they have to have anti-anxiety medicine. Which makes them sleepy. Then they get, then what do they get? Depressed. Then, taking pills to help you get up. Drugs, everything's in the world. We don't stop. We don't we stop. We stop. Sunday you better have a sermon for Sunday. Yeah. You better have a sermon, a good one too. You better Dance off the lights. Swing from the chandeliers. We don't have any. Swing from the cameras and the projectors. Watch. So these people, these two guys, they're on the road to Emmaus. Emmaus, these disciples, had all this on their minds. we got to clear our minds. You know what? We can't hear. We can't hear the Lord when we're all anxietyed out. We can't hear the Lord when we're all nervous, when we're all stressed out, when we're all anxious, when we're all depressed. You see what I'm saying? It's some quiet times. We've got to get some quiet time with the Lord. Amen. Amen. When you do, you're better prepared getting all that out because you can re receive revelation. Okay. Well, we're not done yet. All right. We'll do that later. Is it okay?